0: hello and welcome to the welsh rugby podcast before we begin just a massive thank you to however you are listening to this we really do appreciate your support we record the podcast every monday and if you do enjoy it make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode why not drop us a review while you're there Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. I'm your host, Ben James, and I am joined by Matthew Southcombe on this bitterly cold Sunday evening. Although it's not feeling too cold anymore, Matt, because Wales have kicked off their Six Nations campaign with a hard-fought victory over Ireland. It wasn't pretty by any stretch of the imagination, but a win is a win.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, I guess you you, you take it whichever way it comes, uh, particularly if you're Wayne Pivak. Um, it's his first win against what you would deem you know a you know a big win against um for T- one
0: opposition really isn't it
1: yeah exactly you know it was only wins last year coming against Italy and georgia um so he really needed a scalp um he got it Wales had a bit of help along the way uh, it wasn't convincing by any stretch of the imagination and they let they made it difficult for themselves at, uh, quite a bit of them for quite a bit of the match um you know no more so than at the end of the match i guess um, Wayne Pivak kind of tearing his hair out over some of the decisions that were made on the field, uh, which I think we'll elaborate on. Uh, but all in all, you know, I think you just you just look at it as a win for Wales, um, and you and you move on almost. It, it there's a lot to work on, and there's a lot of battered and bruised bodies. Um, but first and foremost, they needed a win. It, it does take some of the pressure off in some respects um, a defeat would have been a total disaster really for pivac and the pressure would have really piled on particularly after the week that they've had um, so you know whilst it was far from perfect it's a step in the right direction it's a, it's a win against you know real credible opposition um, and and it means that they can they can take a bit of confidence into next week absolutely i think
0: had had you offered the welsh public and win pivac uh, a victory heading into this match, they'd have all snapped your hand off. So um, it can't be underestimated just how good it is to kick off the Six Nations with a winning start. Obviously, we mentioned that there were things that probably helped Wales in the end. Um, Peter Omani's red card. I mean, as red cards go, this was, well, it was pretty blatant, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, not a difficult decision um, for, for Wayne Barnes. Uh, i got to be honest, you know, you can't do it these days. Everybody knows it. You just cannot enter rucks like that. And, you know, from somebody who is as experienced as Peter O'Mani, that is a very silly, silly act. Um, you know, his teammates have got a, every right to be furious with him, uh, as has Andy Farrell, because quite frankly, it's totally derailed their campaign within the first 15 minutes of it. Um, you know, it's a, it's a very silly, silly move from him. Uh, it's cost this side because if they'd stayed up to 15 men, there's every chance they would have won that game uh, because, you know, like we said, Wales, Wales did their best to lose it in some respects. So, you know, it's a straightforward red card. I don't think there's much much debate and I don't think anybody's really, um, I can't can't imagine there's too many arguments about it. Um, Andy Farrell certainly didn't have any arguments about it after the match, although, you uh, he did feel like the referee could have given Ireland a bit more, um, said he felt there could have been a few yellow cards. He wouldn't elaborate on on what incidents he was talking about, but I think he may have been referring to the Johnny Williams uh, tackle on Ringrose, I think it was, and perhaps the, um, the Nick Tompkins uh, deliberate knock-on as well. Uh, which obviously didn't go Ireland's way. Uh, I think they got a penalty for the second one, but it was yeah. no yellow. Um, but yeah, on the Omani one, I don't think there can be any complaints. And and I think that really is the, the turning point in the match. How much
0: sort of can you attribute? Because I felt like maybe in, in the press box and, and looking on social media after that, you know, it almost became an extra bit of pressure for Wayne Pivak and Wales, Ireland going down to 14 men. You know, suddenly the narrative was, well, if if they don't beat the 14 men of Ireland, Wales really do have problems. And yet, I suppose, I think Sam Warburton made the point, you know, if, if, a, if a back rower gets in bin or sent off, it's a lot easier to sort of still play your normal game. And it felt like Ireland, as Wayne Pivak alluded to, largely did that. They didn't really change their game plan and they, and they, they were still able to do what Wales expected them to. So, it, you know, it almost feels like it's maybe a bit of a stick to beat or, or, or was a stick sort of in waiting to beat Wales with when maybe it wasn't as big a, a game decider as as maybe if, say, a back had been sent off.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. And, you know, ironically, Ireland, I thought Wales started the game very well. Um, I thought they controlled the first 15 minutes pretty well. Looked quite dangerous in some parts. Um and then as soon as the red card happened, Ireland got on top. Um, the Wales think...
0: panicked, didn't they? A bit? Well, not panicked, yeah. but they felt the pressure of it.
1: It was discipline as well. You know, I think Wayne Pivak said they gave away six penalties in that second quarter of the match um, after Omani got sent off between that and half time. Um, you know, and that, that Wales were totally dominated in that part of the game. Though yeah. Ireland controlled that first half after the red card way better than Wales. You know, I think Wales made triple the amount of tackles in that first half compared to Ireland. And really, it was bizarre because it should have been the other way around. But I think it was their discipline to let them down. Like you said, maybe a bit of panic set in. Um, but in the end, uh, I thought they started really well in the second half. Um, clearly, they took on board whatever was said at halftime, I felt, because they they seemed far more sort of assured and structured. And and when they were attacking, they were attacking with purpose. I think Ireland sort of maybe were a bit guilty of panicking then as well. They gave away some penalties of their own. Um, and I think it let Wales back into the game but Wales still still took their opportunities well uh, when they did come so you know maybe there was a bit of panic um, I think certainly discipline let them down at times uh, it was concerning to see the way that Ireland dominated that game with 14 men at times uh, they still finished with something like 60 odd percent possession um, which, will, which won't please Wayne Pivak to be totally honest with you um, there's probably a, a range of reasons for that um, but I think they looked like a side who were just desperate to get over the line, um, and it ended up getting quite ugly at times. Uh, but but if that's what was required, then so be it.
0: You mentioned there, you know, sort of Wales probably defended more than they would have liked to. I, I didn't feel like Ireland ever threatened Wales too much. I mean, there was obviously the the, the try uh, which was which was well worked, and there was sort of a line break late on, which nearly led uh, to Ireland sort of putting themselves in a position to win. In terms of physicality, it felt like Wales were probably at a level. This this test match was at a level that we probably haven't seen from Wales since maybe to the best of my memory, maybe that World Cup semi final.
1: Yeah, um, physically they were they were pretty good. I, I was impressed with Josh Navidi when he came on. Uh, yeah. He really caught my eye, um, you know, and. and I think it just drove home. I said it a lot during the autumn, but he, he was the player that Wales missed the most in the autumn. Um, you know, defensively, he was solid, uh, winning collisions on the gain line, proper nuisance at the breakdown. Um, and I felt like he was one of the standout players for Wales when he came on early, um, unfortunately for for Dan Lydiot. Um, You know, Alan Wynne-Jones made something like 25 tackles, Ken Owens, 20 odd tackles. Ken went uh, full 80. Yeah. Justin Tipperick, 29 tackles, I think, as well. The early yeah. stats. These are big, big numbers for for defensive uh shifts. Um, but yeah, I, I, like I said, I think if Wales were to have a chance in this game, their forwards really needed to step up um and, and win that game line because they lost it all too often in the autumn. So I think that they can take a lot of pride from that. I mean, they've paid the price for it. Um, there's gonna be a lot of sore, sore bodies. Um in the Wales camp this week, I can't imagine many of the players will be doing a lot of training with a six day turnaround. Um, you know, they, there's a lot of, even the ones that didn't come off the field, there's a lot of bumps and bruises in there, let me tell you. Um, and, but yeah, it, they had to be, they had to stand up and be counted. Um, and they did that. I think defensively they were pretty good. Um, you know, I know Ireland went down uh, to, to 14 men, but like you said, it didn't really. Particularly, their backline was st- was still able to function the way that they would have wanted to. Um, they still had a platform from which to operate, um, and I think largely Wales handled it pretty well. I think we may have a late late arrival uh, to the
0: podcast. I think our colleague Simon Thomas is joining us <laughs> via the powers of uh, <laughs> technology, remote technology. Oh, look out, Simon! Is he connected? To the audio, Simon. How are you doing?
2: Well, I've finally managed to get through the vagaries of North Cardiff Wi-Fi. I think the cats may have eaten my cable. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I had the Virgin Media man round the other day, thought he'd sorted me It's calamity again. But nice. I'm here you now, and uh, more importantly, Wales 1.0. So some something positive to talk about.
0: Absolutely. Indeed. I think we've just about covered off the Peter O'Mahony red card and, and uh, sort chicken of Wales's win. The chicken support. wing action. Exactly. I and mean, we also touched on Wales's defence. Um, so uh, I suppose some positive there. But there was also a few things that will have still worried Wayne Pivak. Um, the line-out remains a work in progress. Well... I think we talked about it before, and there were 19
2: lineouts lost in the Welsh throw during the autumn. Um, we all hoped, you know, maybe with Ken Owens coming back into the mix, that that would help resolve the issues. But unfortunately, there were four more lineouts conceded on the Welsh throw today, and and one of them led um, to the Irish try. So it's a continuing malaise, isn't it? It's a continuing issue. They've now tried lots of different personnel, both throwers and jumpers, and it continues to be a problem. And I guess you then have to start asking questions of the set piece coaching team, you know, and obviously that's a big area for Jonathan Humphreys. I think Wayne Pivak said post-match, you boys were listening in. We've got to tidy it up. Well, that's been the case for a while now, isn't it? And it, it undermines everything at source, doesn't it? Because we talked before the tournament and I was saying that there were various things that went wrong in the autumn, but the the, un, the underlying problem, the consistent problem was the line out. Other things improved along the way, but that never really improved that much. And it's there again. And it just means that you are sort of re- half your platform's gone, isn't it? I mean, it was telling for me that in the second half, Wills actually scored a try off an attacking lineup, which they did complete. Adam Beard won a lineup ball. Um, it goes through bigger a couple of forward carries, good hands, and Reese Samit scores the winning try. So it just shows that when Wales do have that line platform, they can be dangerous. Over the recent years, we've always said that, haven't we? Our first-phase line-out, they're good. But you can't go on like this. You can't just keep on giving up that much possession, allowing yourself – listen, you know, when you've got problems with the line-out and you're struggling – Probably the last thing you want to come up against is a team coached by Paul O'Connell looking to make an impact because he knew a little bit about as Paul did. And then he's got someone like James Ryan to stick up in the air. And he's not bad, is he? And the first two steals, one f- thrown for Tipperick, the next one thrown for Adam Beard. Up goes Ryan, steals the ball. It's a challenge. They're good players. But you've got to f- find a way around it. I watched Scotland yesterday, Ben, oh, and Matt. Matt, you know. It was just a simple lob from George Turner and they won every line virtually.
0: Wales thought, have to sort yeah. Wales have to sort it out. I felt like today Wales probably they, they they looked for the safer ball than they probably have done last year. So on the one hand, that's a part they largely went front ball with Beard or tipprick and and even a couple of times they tried a quick throw sort of, you know, rather than jumping up to compete, just just hitting your line out option on the ground. The, you know, the positive there is that clearly John Humphreys is learning from the sort of complexities that he'd sort of imposed of the last year. The negative is, even when they went to the safe ball, they still managed to lose quite a lot of it. So it's sort of two steps forward, one step back, maybe, with that today.
1: Yeah, well, he's he's not learned too much, has he? Because they've (laughs) lost four lineouts. Um, You know, John Humphrey's under pressure now. You know, sorry, but this can't go on. Um, Wales are not going to win this tournament if their lineout is losing that percentage of ball every game. It's not going to happen. Um, the spotlight is really on him. Because as Simon touched on there, Wales have changed the hooker. You know, there's been a bit of a carousel there for, for the last sort of few matches. And the line has been a problem every time. So the hooker is obviously a very important part of that machine. But it cannot just be the hooker's pro- fault. There are systematic problems with the lineout. whatever it is. It's not working, and it's not just down to the hooker, it's down to a lot of things that are going wrong. And if you've got that many things going wrong in the facet of the game that you were responsible for as a coach, then the pressure comes on. Um, you know, they need to sort this out. Byron Hayward lost his job after a couple of games because the defence wasn't working properly. Jonathan Humphreys is under pressure now. Now, he came in as a coach with a lot of uh, plaudits from some very high-profile people, you know. Remember Adam Jones yeah, telling us he was one of the best coaches he'd ever worked with. Now, they seem to have sorted the scrum out, yeah. but the line remains a big concern. Um, and there is real pressure on him there to sort that out. Huh? It's the thing is, because-
2: Matt, the, the thing is, Ben, as well, you know, we talk about Hay- Hayward losing his job. The line has been more calamitous than the defence over the last seven games. Let's be honest about it. You know, the defence against England was good. I mean, today there was one bad lapse for a try. But, you know, generally, I mean, Wales' tackle count was enormous today. There was a lot of effort put on there. and The line-out is the Wales' biggest problem. And the trouble with it, it was compounded today, I thought, because it's one thing to lose the line-out, but then when you don't have the ability to stem the flow of phases, because Ireland, we know, are one of the best teams in the world at repeat phases. And I made some notes in my book as I was going along. You had 11 phases, 12 phases, 19 phases. I think it was about 11 again in that very last passage of play where they won the the penalty. You know, Wales are a team who currently struggle to steal or slow possession from very effective teams at the breakdown. So when you've got that, when you don't have that ability, the last thing you want to do is to be gifting possession away because it means you give it away and then you don't see it for ages. Mm. And that's not a good combination. And I suppose that's
0: sort of the irony is, you know, Wales have had a bad line out in the past. You know, you think back to when McBride was in charge. I mean, they won the Grand Slam in 2019 with statistically the worst line out in the tournament. But a little bit like today's performance – they basically thrived on the defensive side of the game. So it wasn't such a necessity, but in the way Pivac wants to play, the line-out is the platform. I think that's what we're seeing now is that under Gatland, you could hide a poor, poor line-out. You could hide occasionally a poor scrum. Sort of Pivac's philosophy, Pivac's game style, you need all these things to, to really be on song and, and that's rarely the case.
2: Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Because you say it's the, um, a fundamental of his game plan. Um, but when you change, I think they've used in the last seven games, we're working out eight different line out targets,
1: maybe uh, nine,
2: maybe nine now with Adam Beer when you add everybody in. They've used four different hookers. So it's like you're throwing all these bits of it up in the air. And you'd think, right, surely something's going to work. And when none of the combinations work, you then have to, as Matt says, ask questions of the coaches and ask, is it a systemic problem?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure these questions will get asked in the coming days and weeks, particularly if it,
2: because because if it won goes right. Wales won the game. Exactly. Wales yeah. won the game. But I mean... I tried to my son about it this evening. You know, he watches, doesn't watch much rugby. So in a way, someone like that is quite good to give you an insight into it. And he said, yeah, Wales won, but Ireland were the better team. They probably were the better team, weren't they, over the course of the match in terms – I mean, the stats are extraordinary. I mean, I, I, I put them in, in, my, in my piece today and just, just flicking through them. Ireland, with, this is with 14 men for 66, 67 minutes, right? They had 68% territory. 64% possession. They made 487 metres to 190 by Wales. Wales made 240 tackles compared to 105 by Ireland. Now, I know it's the case that the only stat that really matters is the final scoreline, and Wales came on top of that. But thats I've never known a game like that, where a team with 14 men dominate proceedings to that extent. It's, it was the strangest of games. It really was.
1: Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, I, I think
0: that probably plays into how Ireland like to play though. It, for all but the they, possess, they, all a, they, well. they, they play a lot off nine, you know, they, they'd have played the same way 15 men on the field as they would have 14 men on the field. So nothing really, you know, losing a back row for them, especially Omani isn't massively vital in terms of how they keep possession. Um the problem arises when, you, when you've got 14 men, the problem is defensive, mainly. Yeah. That's mainly
2: the problem. But of course, Wales had so few opportunities to stress that stretch defense. Now, when they did it off a lineup ball for the resummit try, it was just three carries, bigger Adam Win Jones, Ken Owens. You, you stretch an already depleted defense, quick hands, Gareth Davis, George North, nice flick pass, money, half, many, nice finish, try. Off first phase against a depleted defense. That's how you expose less players in the opposition. But you've got to have one thing for that, haven't you? You've got to
0: have the ball. Yep.
1: I'm Sam Warburton, and you're listening to the Welsh Rugby
0: Podcast. As as, as we said, Wales did win today, and this podcast suddenly feels (laughs) very, very negative. Um, And I guess to make matters worse, Welsh players were dropping like flies today. And it's a six-day turnaround until we go to to Murrayfield to face a Scotland team that's just uh, knocked off England right. for the first time at Twickenham since 1983. Yeah. yeah,
1: it felt like a it felt like a really attritional Test match today. Both teams lost a lot of players. Um, yeah, five
0: it, five HIAS.
1: It doesn't look good. Um, you know, the two HIAS for Wales um Hallam Amos and Johnny Williams are not going to feature against Scotland. Um, Thomas Williams, his championship may well be over if his hamstring is gone. know um, that's going to be four weeks at least, I would have thought. It yeah. didn't look like a, it didn't look like a minor hamstring tweak, did it? Um, he looked quite serious. Dan Liddyett looks serious. Um, Pivak suspects that might be, might be his ACL. If that is his ACL, you know, that could be the end of his international career, at least. Um, we have to wait and see on that, but that may be the last time we see him in a whale shirt, unfortunately. We hope it's not an ACL. Um, Hopefully he's just tweaked one of the other ligaments, uh, which will be less serious, but, you know, that doesn't look great. So Wales, definitely without four people. Um, The rest of the squad's pretty banged up as well. You can imagine there's been some sore bodies in that pack and, you know, North took a lot of knocks. um, Scratched cornea. Scratched eye, which is always nice. Um, So, yeah, they're in a a bit of a banged up state, really. Um, So they're going to be patched up. Like I said to you off air, Ben, I can't imagine... Too many players will be doing too much training next week um, with a six day turnaround. Someone did, someone's tweeted me this evening as well, to be fair, pointing out, you know, why are we still, why have we still got six day turnarounds in modern rugby? Um, I kind of get the point to a certain degree. You know, I felt this way about the World Cups as well when I was out there in Japan that, you know, you're asking these players to turn around in a matter of days and these test matches are physical, physical encounters now. Yeah. so, you know, there is a question to be asked there about whether we need to start looking at the schedule um, and taking these six-day six, six day turnarounds out of it. But, you know, that's probably a conversation for another pod. But, yeah, in short, it's a, it's going to be a very banged-up whale squad. I'd be surprised if there aren't call-ups, probably Rhys Webb. And, you know, you're looking at the back row, maybe Shane Lewis Hughes um, or, or, or another option there. But those two would be the ones that spring to mind as, as perhaps necessities uh, moving forward. Yeah, I Papa. was looking,
2: I've been looking, both of you, at um, doing a piece for tomorrow on, on the possible teams by Scotland, which is a kind of knock on from what we just talked about there. Like, I mean, certain aspects of it kind of the answer themselves, like because Halle Maimos, we know, is not going to be involved, but we also know that Liam Williams is now out of his suspension period. So, logically, you'd think Liam would come there to start on the wing. Centre, I mean, the kind of a game, logical thing would probably be to start as they ended with Tompkins there. Um, you know, he made a good little steal on the floor ahead of um, the George North try. I mean, he does fly out of the line once or twice. It just scare yeah. you a little bit sometimes. I mean, I almost wonder whether Jamie Roberts should keep his phone on. Because yeah. if you look at it, what Pivak said was he didn't include him in the squad because he didn't see him as a starter, which clearly to me said that he had Johnny Williams pegged in firmly as his 12th. Johnny's not there now. So that being the case, you take that out of the equation, does Jamie Roberts come in and start? You know, it's you couldn't rule it out, couldn't you? If I was Jamie, I'd keep my phone switched on, put it that Absolutely. way. I'll tell you what, but I like the,
1: op- like the sound of that as well. Jamie Roberts and North in the centres. Yeah, sense.
2: I mean, it's a possibility. I mean, you probably would still edge probability-wise to Tompkins starting there. But so you've got those options at 12, scrum half, despite, what, <laughs> despite Gareth Davis's slight moment of madness towards the end of it. <laughs> I must admit, honestly when he grubbed. It was a lovely, deft grubber, but it probably wasn't what was required. How many seconds were left on the
1: clock? Not like many.
0: Five. <laughs> I think. I, I think. If, I think if he'd have kicked it to the touchline by the time it had reached the touchline, it would have been game over. I think.
2: I think Gareth Davis must be a very relieved man that Billy Burns did what Billy Burns he, um, did. In the I've finals. never seen
0: anyone look as sort no. of. Just in a daze of full time as Gareth Davis. No. I
1: can't. I can't repeat what Dan Bigger said to him at the time either, because that came across the press box, yeah. and there were one or two expletives in there. Yeah, I, no. sure. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's not. It's kind
2: of thing. It's a once in. A, I remember seeing Gareth Cooper do something similar in Australia in in twenty twelve. And listen, it, it's uh, it's a once in a lifetime thing. I'm sure Gareth won't do that again. And I think he probably will start, won't he? I mean, uh, you got Kieran Hardy as the option. Um, I think you're right, Reese Webb will come into the squad now. Yeah. Reese responded to his exclusion with the man of the match display. Will he come straight in? Probably not. You probably would bank on Gareth Davis starting. So that's nine covered. Um and you then so you, so what we're saying is Liam Williams, the Halomemos, um, probably Tompkins, and then probably Gareth Davis. And then you look at six and you'd have to say, you know, Navidi. I mean Navidi Super. Came on today and yeah. had a big shift, didn't he? I Brilliant. think he was he was on for sixty six minute what was it sixty five, sixty seven minutes? I think twenty tackles. You know, he considering how long he's been out, I thought he did really well. So that's an obvious one. The issue then becomes more at the bench. I mean, I guess you'd probably see Wainwright coming onto the bench realistically, and then either Hardy or Webb covering scrum half. Uh, and if it is Tompkins at 12, and I guess looking at the template for this weekend, you'd probably think maybe Owen walk in onto the bench. Yeah. Because North can then slip back. Um, uh, he would be the, the, the outside cover there. But as I say, you, you you do have the wild card selections options with North at 12. And the other one is Johnny McNichol, who's a player yep. that um, Pivak thinks a lot of. And you know, has looked to bring him in when available. I think Ben USA he maybe possibly been training with the squad recently, increasing numbers. And McNichol could I mean Nichols even, even a starting option if they don't feel Liam's quite right. Um, but I think um, if they do bring anybody in the back three, he will probably be ahead of Young Lloyd coming in,
0: do you reckon? I'd have thought so. I think McNichol would be the next cab off the rank. Um and centre? Will they bring a centre in? So, <laughs> I don't know. I
2: don't, know. They do, I don't, I think, don't think they will.
0: I, I don't think they'll bring McNichol in this week simply because I think Liam will come into the start in 15. And they walk in on the bench. And then you've got Josh Adams coming back into camp tomorrow. So in terms of training numbers, that should take care of itself. Anyway, they might uh, change tack on the two-week. <laughs> I don't think they can do that. put um, no. a, a, a Wales A game in
2: midweek. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, th- I think that's... I think the four injuries are probably going to be the four changes. Yeah. You see what I mean? I I don't see... I mean, it may well have been that Liam would have come in for Hallam anyway, realistically, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. So I think those are the four changes. Line-out-wise, I I mean, if you look at the other options there, you've got Will Rowlands, you've got Hitman, um, Ball, Hitman. I've never seen the camera pan so often onto do a blogger even in the 23. Yeah. 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 No, I think I think the thought changes realistically. Um, and then up to Scotland. It's going to be York. tough, isn't
0: it? Chili, chili, chili. It is going to be
2: I tough. I do feel it's become very, very negative. This, I, I, I do feel we have to say something. Let me Let me give one absolute positive. Anybody who thinks Alan wynne Jones is a spent force, yeah, honestly, today that was that was just a man. He was my man of the match. Personally, did you see it that way or?
1: Yeah, well I said, i I've said I said in multiple pieces before the game that Ken Owens, Alan Wynn Jones, um, and Josh Navidi had to be their normal the the their like old selves if Wales were gonna win. And and they all put in huge shifts defensively. I know the line out wobbled, yeah. but around the field they were all colossal. Alan Wynn
2: Jones, twenty five tackles, thirty five, whatever he is now, hasn't played since December the f- first Early week of December. December. Yeah. Honestly it was yeah. just a And he set the tone for me right from the kickoff, Ben. First um, kickoff from Ireland, rose like a salmon. Did it again off the next one. I thought he was tremendous. Really, really good. (laughs) No, he's fantastic. He was was a big plus. I thought George North was a big plus. I mean, if you look at that try he scored, that was in the 13 channel. That wasn't like him slotting the ball. That was in that channel. And he just looked up. And you uh, you could see, almost see the terror in Ian Henderson's eyes and he realise, oh no, <laughs> you, you don't want it you? I mean, North just went outside him and James Lowe was left in a horrendous situation then because yeah. it was, it yeah. was two on one, simple little dummy to penny inside. That was a good finish. That's his 44th test try. I must, remember how much time we spent last year talking about North and all the criticism of him. You know, after all those years in the wing, he's now treading a different international path. And uh what was the phrase Pivak said? He's learning, but learning quickly. I think he was yeah. good today.
1: Could be Wales's version of Ma Nonu, if you listen to Warren Gatland. I he's gonna be 28. That, 20, you know? Yeah, he's plenty of time. Yeah, think, I think yeah. I think that was a big positive today because I was worried about that. Um I was really worried about in there in midfield because if anyone is going to expose that, it was gonna be Ireland because of the way they play in there in the center channel. They're really creative around the yeah. sex then and all their wraparounds. And, uh, but I, I thought, he, I thought he did really well. Um, you know, some good hands as well, especially for the Zamit Troy. Um, so, you know, I think that was a huge positive. Uh, I think, you know, it's shown that he perhaps does have a future there. Um, that was a proper test match and a proper test for him. So I wouldn't have before the game, I was worried, but now I wouldn't have any qualms putting him back there for Scotland. I think he probably will stay there. Um, yeah that was a big positive. I think
0: yeah. the other big positive and it's it probably doesn't seem like it, it's just today like I mentioned a map before this is to me the most physical we've seen Wales since that World Cup semi-final in Japan and even though it's a different coach it's no longer Gatlin, is pivot when Wales produce this sort of physicality and they back their defense that is always going to put them in positions to be in matches and, and, and get results like today? It's a funny one, you know, because they missed 23 tackles today, but they made 240. Yeah.
2: So, um, they should. I mean, the problem is, like, my concern of all this is, like, you can't go on having to make those many tackles. You no. just can't do it. I mean, you, you shouldn't be having to make those too many tackles against 14 men, certainly. Um, what I did sense was the game in terms of the defence, changed a bit when Lidgett went off because he was put in to do one particular job. And I think it was 23 seconds into the game, he cut Stander off the ankles. Yeah. It was classic Lidgett. And he had, I think Sam Warburton had a start doing commentary. There were six tackles from Lidget in the first 10 minutes. So they were dominant tackles from him as well. I think when he went off, because um, he was brought in the key role, wasn't he, to knock down those big Irish carriers, when he went off, you could just sense them getting a bit more go forward, a bit more momentum. Because it's hard, it's hard to get go forward momentum when you've got someone like Lydia around your ankles, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And it was such a horror. I mean, you know, it's, it's always like this. You, know, you look at those two bad injuries today. It's the classic thing off the ball, is not they? Yeah. Or, or not in a tackle situation rather, you know, because you had legit, I don't know, just the just the strangest one where he just seemed to put his leg down awkwardly and there was a horrible moment when he, he tried to soldier on and there was another phase. And as the physio came on, his leg completely buckled under him, for a dab, you know, and you know, you say ACL, you've seen, we've seen ACLs before. Yeah. That, that, right. The bad one. And then and he's done his Brugan. knee. Thomas Williams, like he's been shot yeah. from a place <laughs> as our old friend Andy Tower used to say, shot by a sniper from the stand. Cause you know, he just went completely. So you won't see him for a few weeks now.
0: Yeah. yeah. And it's worth it. You know, Liddy done his knee like that for Wales before South Africa, about four years ago, 2016 on the turn. To remember.
2: Oh, yeah, he went off very early, didn't he? Yeah, Again. he basically,
0: I think, ball went behind him, so he turned and he just he just went from underneath him. So, yeah. I mean, if, if anyone's had bad luck with injuries.
2: It, it is interesting, yeah. the point, Matt, I think it was Matt made it, about who might come in now into the back row, because it depends on the balance of what you've got available, isn't it? Because you've got there in Wainwright and Navidi two options at six. You've got two options at seven in Navidi and Tipper. Three options at seven: Navidi, Tipperick, and McLeod. And then you've got the two options at three options at eight with Navidi, Falato, and Wainwright. So where where do you look to bring someone in? So uh, the two cabs for me are Shane Lewis Hughes and Jim Botham.
0: Yeah, so which way which way do you go? Prob- probably Shane Lewis Hughes. Shane Lewis Hughes, like, like for like. like. Yeah, um, there will also be giving Dean Ryan a ring to sort of see how Ross Moriarty's getting on and Ollie Griffiths possibly
1: uh, the, the last thing I saw Ross Moriarty at the end of last week on Instagram he had one foot in an ice bath and his knee in, in an ice machine so I don't know quite oh. how far along in his rehab he is so <laughs> the other thing was Dean, Shane.
0: Dean Ryan said last week that he was probably going to get called up in the Six Nations at the other thing with Shane is he hasn't actually played for a few weeks
2: um, since he took a couple of bangs to the head if you recall in the game where Liam Williams gets sent off, so yeah. I'm not entirely sure where Shane is on because with Bangs to the head, you're never quite sure, are you, in no. terms of yeah. availability? So it wouldn't surprise me if both of them came in the equation. Maybe
0: one of those two, anyway. Okay, let's um, let's end briefly then. Just looking ahead to Scotland next week. Obviously, they, they were they were fantastic. Um, against England, a, a tad wasteful. Although, could it be argued that maybe them beating England at Twickenham doesn't, I wouldn't say benefit Wales, but it, it's probably better than them losing narrowly. Yeah. Because now now they've had their, their day in the sun and maybe it's going to be tough to reach those levels again.
1: Yeah, there's a couple of things in there, I guess. Um, England were terrible. Let's just get that out of the way. Uh, that was the worst I've seen England play in a yeah. long time. I was shocked at how bad they were. I suppose um, it's tough. It's tough
0: for championship players to, to get up to the level of Pro 14 players, isn't it?
1: <laughs> well, yeah. Um, you know, not taken away from Scotland, but I thought England were really bad, um, to be honest with you. Uh, I do. I did make the point to our colleague, John, uh, on the way home as well, that I think, you know, as a bonus, can Scotland reach those emotional levels again? Um, you know, you hear about it so often, don't you? Um, about yeah. teams finding it difficult to back up big performances. Um, maybe it'll have taken a lot out of them, you know? That was, like you said, Ben, that was a big victory for them. Uh, a lot of history uh, behind that fixture. Uh, and it was tense. It was very tense. They had to, to ride their emotions for 80 minutes there. I don't... And, and, and the other thing with with Scotland is their big players blow hot and cold. Um, out, out wide, Finn Russell, for me, is... Sometimes he's the best player in the world, but very quickly he becomes one of the most wasteful players in the world. Um, you know, it's very much boom or bust yeah. with with people like him. He went through that whole um, spectrum basically in eighty minutes yesterday. Exactly, uh, but what you will say about Scotland is their back row is just absolute nuisance. Um, they are they must be horrendous to play against when they're yeah. on form. Um, you know, I mean this as a as a term of endearment, but like Jamie Ritchie is an absolute nightmare. Um, Hamish Watson is just a Absolute he's everywhere, physical, um so they Which, can cause problems, but I just think yeah the, the one thing that you can hold on to as a Welsh fan is it will be difficult for them to reach those levels of emotion again next weekend
2: the thing i I think about it is like the, i want to I want to emphasize some positives again if we, if we can, because we need to really, because if you look Wales lost thirty two nine to Ireland in Dublin, and one of the key reasons they did that is they were skewered in the scrum. Rhys Carey had a, a really tough day. You wrote about it at the time, Matt, I remember. And how he was like, you shouldn't have really been handed that job, and he was handed a tough one. And Andrew Porter gave him a really tough time, didn't he? Mm. You know, Yes, those scrums today were 7 men scrums for a lot of time, but when it was eight-man scrums, Wales were really solid. Yeah. I and all so. the things we'd said beforehand about just how important Wynne Jones and Thomas Francis were, it came true. Wynne Jones was man of the match, you know, really good all-round performance. Thomas Francis, he's like 19 tackles, extraordinary. And yeah. did his job in the set piece. Yeah. I think that's possibly so, the most in the test, innit, for him. Oh, incredible, really. I'd be so, surprised if it's not. <laughs> so Wales re- So Wales resolved the, the biggest pro- one of the biggest problems in Ireland, which was the scrum. Yeah. Now the biggest problem against Scotland by a country mile was the breakdown. Um, we, honestly, Shane Ritchie, Himish Watson and Fraser Bowen that day had an absolute field day. Um, Wales still have a few issues for me at the breakdown in terms of rugby these days is, is becoming a turnover feast, isn't it? And Wales don't really secure that many turnovers. Uh, it's a tricky one. So they need to find a way of being more competitive the breakdown than they were against Scotland and Nettley. Um, Scotland, what I what I did like about them in particular was their confidence. They they I just got the impression from minute one, they believed they were good they believed they were gonna win. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact you look at their results, you know, in Scotland, in terms of Scottish rugby, their, their results have been really good over the last year. But they're also turning into the new Wales. Edinburgh and Glasgow are down the bottom of the Pro 14, and their national team is going all guns. Just as Wales have, you know, had regions who have struggled for results and our national team has done really well. So I don't know what it quite has happened there. It, they seem to be a slightly different team now, don't they? I yeah. saw it in, in horrible conditions, admittedly. But there was a while under Townsend when it was just it was everything. It was Offloads. it was off. It was it was swear word or bust, wasn't it? It yeah. was like every it was just go for it the whole time. There mm-hmm. does seem to be a bit more pragmatism to the now, Matt, doesn't there? They 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 they, they look like a team that knows how to get jobs done because all through that match yesterday, you were thinking like, even though they were sort of totally dominant, it was only one score in it. And he thought, it's just, no, it's, it's going to be typical. of I mean, England going to come back and win this. But all the way through, Scotland just had a belief, didn't they? Now, can they carry that belief and that confidence and that wave through against Wales? Can Wales stem their, the, the issues? I mean, I, I think we probably just have to try and focus on ourselves to a large extent and say that we know that if Wales can get a steady supply of ball, they, are, they can be dangerous because when you've got strike runners like North, Liam Williams coming in, and Rhys Samet, and footballers like Tipperick and Falato, then you can cause, you can stress teams, can't you? But, you know, if we go up there and lose four lineouts, we will lose the game. And badly. Because they will create a lot, of Scotland, though. Yeah, And they've got a certain gentleman on the wing who I would not like to face. No.
1: Yeah, on the plus side, if Wales win and Grand Slams on, so.
2: Well, this is the Grand Slam decider for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I they would also say
2: France were, were fairly useful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were, yeah. And that, that bloke, whatever his name, what was his name DuPont? I think he can play
0: a bit, can he? Oh, yeah, he's, he's, he's pretty decent. not the worst. Here. He's not the worst. Incredibly, that was his first man of the match in the Six Nations yesterday. But here's the big <laughs> question for me. Here's
2: the really big question. Matthew, are you going to Murrayfield? Uh, T- TBC on that one. Uh, oh, there's a chance. Are you, waiting, are you like Jamie Wake Roberts waiting the call?
1: I'm um, yeah. I'm waiting for the right calls. Yeah, the right it's guidance. The- trying to trying to get the right guidance at times like this is proving difficult. You'll be well,
2: surprised. You're a key worker. It's it's for, it's for legitimate work purpose purposes. So you know.
1: Already yeah. downloaded
0: all the proclaimers onto your phone. Were there any?
2: <laughs> the were, there any were there any Irish journalists in the stadium today?
1: Uh no, there wasn't. Uh, really? But I did notice there was a few Scots at Twickenham, so there were three of them. Yeah, so maybe, maybe it's right. I'm gonna have to go on the phone this week and, and establish. I think I think you've got to go up there. Yeah. Yeah, maybe we'll see. We'll see. Well, there but, we go. Uh, then. In, in the in the short term, I think my dinner's just come out of the oven, so we need to wrap this nonsense up. Let's wrap this
0: podcast up then. So. After all that seeming negativity.
2: 21-16.
1: 21-16. Exactly. I, I just said the Grand Slam's on if we win next week.
0: We're building them up for a full South Game. It's it's them, right. right. well, can I? Journalism 101. <laughs> <laughs> so after all that, uh, yeah. Wales have won their opening game of the Six Nations, beaten Ireland right. 2116. <laughs> You can catch all the latest news and all the follow-up from the game in Cardiff on Wales Online.